What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Welcome back to Unified. I'm here with my brother Stafford Lemar Jr. once again. If you guys remember about a year ago he was on the show and we talked a little bit about his rap ministry, his youth ministry, and today we're going to get into more of his pastoral ministry. What? But, uh, <laughs> Stack, go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Let's tell us something good. I plead the fifth! <laughs> no, man, uh, first of all, I'm uh, thankful to be back with my brother Trent Cruz um, and Next Level, right? Next Level Freedom Church. All right, yeah. and um, you know, I, I, I appreciate the honor uh, of him asking me to be here. and um, I could count it an honor, and uh, so I'm just thankful that just ready to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> All right. So last time, I went ahead and watched our last interview before the show today. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, what did we talk about? I need to kind of remember. And last time we talked about, uh, like I said, your rap ministry, kind of how you got involved with that, and your youth ministry, how your aunt kind of put you in a youth ministry, yes. youth pastor She's position. Like, youth pastor now. So, but something happened over the years. It was a transition for mm-hmm. you. I know it started with your dad. And right. I... I Vaguely may remember when you kind of we talked about how your dad had started taking on Mount Moriah mm-hmm. as well as he was still at House of Prayer, right? Yes. So he did both. He was doing both. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about maybe that connection that got you. Okay, got well, again, start picking up. Yeah, my aunt did launch me into youth pastoring, and uh, <laughs> but uh, that was I feel like that's what God had wanted me to do, and He was kind of tugging on my heart that way. Anyway, I just didn't know how to do it, scared to do it. And didn't want the accountability. I'm just going to be real with you. I didn't want the accountability. But anyway, my father, which was a bishop um, at House of Prayer, uh, was asked to come as a pastor, was transitioning out of where, where I'm currently at, Mount Moriah. The former pastor had stepped down, and they didn't have a pastor, so they was kind of having different uh, ministers and pastors come in each Sunday to speak. Well, they knew the, uh, one of the deacons there uh, was close friend with my dad and asked him would he come and speak. Uh, one Sunday uh, to fill in that gap, and when she when he went there, they fell in love with him, of course, and so they they kept frequenting him and asking him to come back, you know, um, more more often, and so it turned into almost when he wasn't speaking at House of Prayer, he would speak at Mount Moriah. So uh-huh. yeah, so on his because you know on his off Sundays he would speak at Mount Moriah, and you know and they really. Really wanted him to be the pastor, but he was committed to what he was doing at House of Prayer. But the Lord had kind of, I guess, placed on his heart that you know this might be a mission that she, he wanted him to take up. So he took it on full time. So he began to prep with my aunt, Apostle Joanne McCauley. They began to prep um, another person to take over his position as pastor at House of Prayer. And that turned into my uncle, Eric Ware, which is also a pastor. And he trans we transitioned down to Mount Moriah to take on that ministry, so that's kind of how we got there. Uh, so he did end up taking leaving on. House of Prayer. We never left House of Prayer. We were still bishop at House of Prayer. We were still active members of House of Prayer, but we all worked there. We kind of 
turned over to other individuals so we didn't have to be there sun every Sunday. So I don't know how you explain it. We never, because I'm still, House Prayer is still my home church. That's still, I still, any event we have, I'm still going to be found doing the sound, playing the drums, all the things I always did there. But then this was another mission and that we took up, that he took up, that I followed him into. So I would play drums at the House of Prayer and then go, because they started a little later than us, and then I'd go down there and aid him in Mount Moriah. So, and he still preached at House of Prayer at special events like uh, at church anniversaries, uh, pastor's anniversaries, and, and uh, convocations and uh, revivals. We still did all those things in our, our, in our two locations. So we were still members, but we wasn't as actively involved in the day-to-day -day functions. If that makes sense. Kind of branched off into some yeah, other. Yeah, so they released us to go and head up this while staying, still being connected to House of Prayer. We was released to go do that as well. So we weren't released as meaning to drop in our membership, but we were released to take on another another mission. So okay. kinda, I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, uh, so yep. So all the legal leads in that. <laughs> so, so uh, but your dad. Now you ended up speaking there some of the time, correct? Yes. Well, what happened was in the transition to Mount Moriah, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. So when he would go off to get get treatments and different things to you know his doctor appointments, I would head up and be the one that would step in and preach on those Sundays he couldn't be there. So. And that's kind of how I started. I started off just moderating and kind of taking on the mus the musicianship and uh, sound man and, and a moderator so that he can, you know, basically get his rest and get his thoughts, fill out the service and whatever the Lord was, you know, the Holy Spirit was leading to, he was able to sense that and discern that and move in that direction. But then, so I took on the moderation of the service. But then when he started having to take trips down to Houston and different places for treatments, then I will head up the service on those Sundays. So. Okay, so that's kind of how they got to know you a little yes, bit. Yes, that's how they Which got Which if to you know. ever knew his dad, uh, his staff just looks like a younger version. So <laughs> staff are more right. senior. Staff so, more senior. <laughs> so he really does look a lot like his dad. Mm -hmm. So uh, so at that point, he was diagnosed. Now, we didn't talk about that. No, I didn't ever. Uh, we yeah. never got into that on no. the show. So that's kind of where... I, so you began to take more of a leadership role, not just a youth pastor now. Mm -hmm. Now you're helping... I guess maybe kind of like an associate pastor yes. or an assistant to the pastor to take on that role. I was more just being a minister. Like, oh, even though I was, I mean, I kind of laid down what I, I stopped being the, the functioning youth pastor at House of Prayer because I was down in Mount Moriah so often. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, you know, my, my aunt basically, you know, released us to go do that full, full time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I laid down the office of youth pastor at House of Prayer and I don't know, I don't know if anybody ever really stepped into that position. I know there was candidates that kind of worked around it, but mm -hmm. uh, but so I laid that down. Maybe two years into my father being down there full time, then I kind of transitioned down there full time. So how long was the period your dad was? Was it two years? You saying, or was it from longer, courting? Well, from helping to courting to being asked and brought in. I would say. A total of probably four years and two years of full-fledged pastor. Okay. So about four years of helping, like being asked to come and speak on Sundays to like actively being courted and him praying about it and seeking the Lord over it and making sure that, you know, because, you know, he was a, a huge fixture in the house of prayer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can, you know, 
that can cause a church to go into a state of shock when someone so vital and integral in, in the operation is, is stepping away. Mm -hmm. Not fully, but they're not going to be actively there, physically there, as much as they used to be. So yeah. uh, he was trying to make sure that, you know, when he did make the decision to do it, he was trying to make sure that the transition was smooth so it did not affect anything at his home church while going down it, that they know this is not an abandonment, this is not us leaving here for no ill, anything like that. It was just God has called me to do this. And, you know, between my aunt, apostle, and she was my sister, apostle, and him, they worked that out. And then when he made the transition, it was a, a smooth transition. And, yeah. Um, so it did not. So kind of easy. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't disrupt the flow of how things were going in both ministries. And that's just a typical leadership thing. Yeah. And even so, in regular companies, not just churches, that when the leader steps out, especially if they were a much respected yeah, leader, everybody's like in panic. What do we do? Right. And that's what he did not want to create. And then you would have some that want to, well, we want to come where, you know, you have all that. And he was trying to make mm -hmm. sure that didn't happen, you know. Yeah. And, uh, so it, did, it would make for a smoother transition. Yes. Gotcha. So, uh, so for those of you that may not be familiar with leadership, that's kind of one of those roles we have to take, especially yeah. as pastors. When God calls you out, or maybe you're going to be there but not there as much, right? Then you step on to do other things. Then that is something you want to make sure the person coming behind you. Is now in his case, up. you already had it. Yeah, apostle he was being trained. Yeah, so, so the apostle was still there, and then because we had two ministries, and then there was two other ministries up under us. You know, so we had our ministry in Charleston, our branch in Charleston. Then we had another uh, church that in Nashville that was up under her uh, oversight. You know, mm. she oversaw that church, and um, and he was active bishop over that. And so there was a lot of integral pieces that you know, with him, if he just abruptly left. It would have caused questions. Or, <laughs> it could have caused, you know, like what's going on and what happened? Is there is there a fallout? Is there and there wasn't yeah. nothing like that. So it it, it, t it had to be done gradually, slowly, as he kind of weaned them off of his presence, then and and, and kind of kind of positioned and and filtered in the person that was going to be stepping into his place. He, he stepped into a training as a uh, interim pastor. Mm -hmm. Then he then as he stepped out, he Stepped into full pastoring, uh, which when he replaced my father. Is your uncle still doing that? Yes, he's okay. still a pastor. Back to your dad. Yeah. You said he was diagnosed yes. with cancer when he was getting ready to take on. Is when he, he had said? fully took it on by this time. Okay. And uh, in that process, um, we was coming back from an exhale, and he was not feeling good and a little hoarse. And when he went to get a test done, they said that he had uh, cancer. Mm. It was cancerous. And that... That's a shock by itself. Yeah, that was so uh, I know when my mom was diagnosed with cancer, it's like why? You know, you yeah. know, you don't. These are one of those why questions. You never know why. Yeah. So at that point, though, when he was diagnosed, and you know, he was just transitioning. That's when he started working on you a little bit more to kind of help would, him. Or well, I was already actively helping, but I had to step up to to cover when his absence. Yeah. When he would have to leave and. I'm gonna tell you something, man. That was one of the most powerful experiences. I, that's I say my father in my father's most weakest moment. Mm -hmm. I think he was the most strongest to me. Mm -hmm. And then when the scripture talked about in your weakness, 
I am strong. You know? Yeah. And I, I literally seen that real time. Like my I, my father was. If you look at me, my father was twice me. He looked like a tank. He was a mm -hmm. muscular big man. You know, someone when you see him, you across the street. That's how. <laughs> yeah. That's how uh, manly and masculine he was. And I seen him go from two hundred seventy pound muscle to a hundred. And sixty pounds, mm -hmm. boom, yeah, and preach the gospel just as hard and passionate as he would in his full strength. I seen him stand there and barely stand there, and he preached as if there was nothing going on, and he preached victory. And he, and he man, and if you know anything about my father, he was a real uh, Bible thumper. He, you know, uh, he was not just a charismatic, ain't he good type of no. We, he was a scripture based. Uh, theologically sound individual and you know so you was going to get something that you might have didn't even know are a true interpreted scripture uh, sound scripture take you know on, mm -hmm. on what he preached and none of that changed even though I know he was in pain agonizing pain when he was preaching and that that experience literally changed a perspective of how I saw my dad. He was always the strong guy, but in his weakest, that he was the strongest I've ever seen him. And yeah. it was it was amazing. I remember the last time I saw him, I was at your house, uh -huh. and he was sitting on the couch, and you could tell he had lost a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, he seemed, you know, not as strong as he used yeah. to be. But he sat there and he talked to me for a minute. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I talked to him a minute. I think we left shortly after he arrived right. that day, but. Uh, he was a strong man. I remember you sent me his last message, mm -hmm. which was the night before. Right? Yeah, it was almost like he preached his own eulogy. It was yeah. the night before he passed. Right. He had preached a message. And it was the House of Prayer in house Charleston, of prayer. right? That was House of Prayer Cape. In Cape, okay. And he preached at a, a it was a pre-anniversary service, and he preached that service. And uh, and it, you heard the message, and you, mm -hmm. if you heard the message and then saw what took place the day after, you'd be like, my God, he literally was telling us. Cause he preached about heaven and leaving, and you know when Pete, when Paul said, uh, "I would have, I would love, but before, but because of you, I stay. I, I want to. I would rather be with Christ. I'd rather leave." But he said, "Because of you, I'm still here." And my father was kind of dealing on that topic and mm. sharing things, and, he, and I didn't pick up on it. But my mom said she kind of picked up on some of it. Like, what are you saying? You know, what, what are you mm. talking about? Then that morning, he he, he left. You know, he mm. was gone. He was ready. So, yeah. He was ready. Yes, he got to yes, meet sir. His, his maker, his savior. So, uh, but uh, he did pass. How long ago has that been since he had passed? Six years. Six years. So it was 2003 or 13? Yeah. 2013. At that point, you were asked, but were hesitant. Am I, Man, am I off there? Or am hesitant I right? ain't even the word. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, At that point uh, we went on to like a, after my father passed, I mean, I was in a, I needed answers, you know, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I, I, I kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit and be transparent, you my friend. And I I think maybe somebody did. just us talking. So. <laughs> I, I was wrestling with this, you know, because I came out of the belief that we, we speak healing. And and my father did transition to where his health and everything, he looked like he, but I, I, I guess God, that was, time, that was his time frame to take him, but. I wrestled with that idea, the fact that my father was taking it in the time that he was taking, you know, and I had those questions. God, how can you, you know, let this happen to a man like him? And i never forget when I was kind of losing it and my mom was kind of unraveling and I was kind of sinking deeper and deeper into that 
mine said, the thought came to me, not my will, but thy will be done. And I was like, huh? And I was in my mom's house. He had just been taken out the house to the hospital. My mom and my left, and I was kind of trying to keep my strength for my mom and my brothers. And my older brother, he had kind of, you know, he, he kind of, so I'm trying to keep my composure because I don't want to add to, you know, the chaos of the, of the moment. And when they left, I was able to release all that tension. Mm. And I was walking in the hall and he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And I was like, God, why? And he said, and I, he, I know the Holy Spirit. And he's like, this is my will. Mm. And then the scripture in Philippians, he made that scripture when, you know, we always quoting, I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. And, no, no, that's uh, Romans. But we always quoting that scripture where it says, um, well, that was Philippians. Yeah, it is Philippians. Y'all can do all things through Christ and strengthen But we always quote it in a way that it's meaning getting stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you read what Paul dealt with, mm -hmm. Paul was talking about, I've learned how to deal with the lowest of low. <laughs> I've learned how to deal with hunger. I learned how to deal with much, with being fed. I learned how to deal with being in prison. I know how to deal with freedom. I learned how to do all these drastic changes in these ups and downs, these valleys of life, these hardships. And he said, I've learned the secret. I could do all this through Christ. And I had to learn my father's passing and leaving this earth was his will. And he would give me, as another scripture said, he'd give you the, he'd give you, uh, the peace mm. that passes all understanding. Sometimes he said, make your question known. He didn't say, I'll give you what you want. Mm. He said, I'll give you peace. And I will keep your mind through Christ Jesus, I was like, I understood it after my father passed because I needed God to keep my mind because that was mm. totally against my concept of him, concept of how this thing worked. If we plead it, if we plead the blood, if we pray and decree and, and healing supposed to take place, mm. then that wasn't the case, you know. I think, uh, well, one way I can kind of relate, uh, my mom mm -hmm. was kind of that figure right. to me because uh, my dad, you know, he wasn't in church a lot. Right. before mom passed so he can go every now and then but mom was the one who was a youth minister she was the one that gave me first opportunities to teach she let me lead the sunday school class wow. teach bible study because she knew i got called once i got called she started giving me opportunities mm -hmm. so i started taking it and i noticed that a lot of my strength like if i had a question i'd go to mom right like, mom hey and, you know, and then there was things that she couldn't, and I remember there was times I would be acting out, and she'd say, what do you think of that, preacher boy? Boy, that made me so oh, mad. <laughs> I like when I'm not perfect, right. but, but I knew what she was getting at. You need to watch, you need to put your attitude in mm -hmm. check. But uh, when she passed, it's one of those, why? Yeah, but it the, was a why, man. But not the Your verse message. that you had. <laughs> they, uh, the verse that came to me was in Psalm, where he said, be still and know that I am God. Right. That was the one, right after she passed, that moment, I went to call my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, to tell her that mom had passed, and I was crying, and all I could hear was the Spirit keep ticking, mm -hmm. and I kept hearing it over and over, be still, mm -hmm. know that I am God. And I'm like, <laughs> so at right. that point, I had nowhere to go, and mm -hmm. I really think, and you may be able to relate to yeah. this, I really think that that was, not necessarily that my, God killed mom, but that God used that to mature me. As a leader, because now you've got no mom. Right, you're gonna have to study the word. Yeah, you're have and to that's get what into happened it. for me. My father was my go. Now my mom is a book 
a Bible thumper too. Now, I don't I know mom, his mom's hardcore. My mom is hardcore. <laughs> but at that time, they were my go-to. And my dad, I would say, took a little more president because, you know, he was the preacher. He was the one that was actively expounding on Sundays. And I would run to him and ask him questions. I didn't have to study. I ain't had to. I, he was my crutch. Mm -hmm. he, he was my cane, you know. And I just lean on him and I can just trust that whatever he tell me was, was it. And I ain't had to worry about it. And that fixture left. And I'm, it's crazy that you brought that up because that's what God showed me later on. Mm -hmm. That in him taking me, he said, I would have never developed into the person mm. that I am today and know the God, the Lord, the way I do now, had my father still been that crutch that I constantly use and many others. So sometimes he take and it ain't, you know, he take it for your improvement and because that's he had he had he had accomplished what God had called him to do. And I might have thought he supposed to be here in the selfish reason more years. Mm -hmm. But my father, when I saw my father's funeral and the, the, the people that was impacted by him, I was blown away. Mm -hmm. My mom said, you know, we, we was going to have it at a particular church. She said, it's not going to be big enough. And I was like, oh, man, it's, it's, it's about five, six hundred people. What are you talking about? It's not going to be big enough. Mm -hmm. No, it's not going to be big enough. And when we held it at where we held it at and we, we saw the crowd, mm -hmm. It wasn't big. It was where we held it at was big enough. It said about three thousand, mm. and it was packed close to that number. And so, I didn't realize just how far reaching his impact was, and it reached far beyond the church walls. And so that, and, and then um, the scripture and knowing God the way I do now, a lot of my word. I was thinking about this when when I was coming in. It's like God came in and just totally renovated my whole understanding of him. Mm -hmm. He like, my house was built up and I had the pictures where they go and the, the plaques where they go and everything painted mm -hmm. like I wanted and I thought that's how it worked. And he just demoed all that and just knocked <laughs> all that down. And I began to understand the truth of him and a lot of stuff that I took at face value and I heard across the pulpit and I heard different individuals say that I thought that's how it worked. When I began to have to, like you said, dive into the scripture myself, because I didn't have him as that reference anymore to just tell me, a whole lot of my theology, a whole lot of my understanding of God just was turned upside down. Literally, like yeah. the scripture say, it was turned upside down. You just down. preached it yesterday. Yeah. You what Satan meant for evil. God meant for God good. God used so, it for good. So but, that's exactly the way. His last felt. thing he said to me before he left, I'll never forget, he said, this is you. He was talking about Mount Moriah. He said, this is you. I was like, what are you talking about? Was this after the message that night? Then? No, this was before that. Oh. But this is the last thing he said to me that I, I remember him distinctly saying, like, he said, this is your church. I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> they don't pastor. He said, this is your church. You're going to be pastor. I'm me and your mom going to travel. We're going to go to the condos. He had all these uh, things he, was gonna, he said he was going to do. I think he was preparing me. For what was going to take place, and this happened literally like a month later after he told me this, maybe a month or two later, he he, he had left, mm -hmm. uh, and he said this is going to be your church, and he told my wife like a maybe a week later or two, you're going to have twins. Really? Yes. Mm. And she said, I don't. And they came twins. after, right? And they came after. They came two two three years after his passing. Mm. And so we and he got, got twins. He got we got These twins. Girls. Both of them, my father said so. Mm. Uh, he was a real McCoy, man. He was a real McCoy. Go ahead. I'll... Okay, let's get back to you then. Okay. Okay, at this point, Dad's gone. You've got no crutch, like mm -hmm. you just said. 
They've asked you, right? They've right. asked you. You're still pondering, well, do I really want to take this on? I didn't want to take it. pondering. How long of a delay did you give them before you accepted? I've been doing this. It'll be six years at the top of the year. It'll be a little bit more than that, actually, at the top of the year. I wrestled and ran from that thing for about two and a half years. I was just standing in the gap until they found someone. Mm. So I, they was actively searching not really, because mm. they wanted, they was really trying to give me time to come around to accepting it. But you know, eventually you see a person not really. Now, were you still speaking on Sunday? Yeah, I was still speaking on Sunday. I was still actively being the. I was the minister on Sundays, but I wasn't claiming pastor. Mm. I was just standing you did in the that gap. For two and a half years. I did that for two and a half years as they brought in different ones to, to kind of fill them out, and they'd come in on a special Sunday and speak, and I would stand out and, and you know and. And had, let them have the pulpit, and he would hear would preach, and uh, we would listen. But they didn't like them, so mm. we'd go to the next person. They wouldn't like them. They didn't like none of them. And uh, the last one, I thought he was a good candidate, but I knew he wasn't. I'll be honest with you. It's something he did that the Lord allowed me to see. And but I was so ready to go, Trent. I was ready to go. I was gonna run back to my my comfort zone, to my familiar place. I was gonna go back to home, to house of prayer, and. And get back into my former position, drums and music and sound, and and I was going to be content with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I thought I was going to do this, God was already tugging on my heart that this ain't the one. But I was, I didn't want to be pastor. And one of the members uh, that that was, I was, she had my heart, and I, I don't want to tear up. But she came up to me and she said, "I believe that the Lord wants you to do this." And I have learned she was she about she's a little older. Mm -hmm. She's you know, elderly, not old, but elderly. She's up there in age and um, retirement age. And she said, "I've learned more in the two years under you than I've learned my whole experience in church." Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, "We need you here, and this is you. Don't run from it." And she didn't know the Lord had already told me downstairs, "Why are you running?" And mm -hmm. it was just confirmation and I tell her all the time, you the reason I'm still <laughs> you are part of the reason I'm still here. So if it wasn't for her words, I would probably wouldn't have heeded God's uh pull and tug. Mm -hmm. So he calls you out. Yeah, he, he kinda he kinda, to call you yeah. out. And mm -hmm. I'm glad I did. Uh it's been hard. It's been a struggle. Uh minister, uh pastoring is not easy. Uh it tests your resolve, it tests it tests your family, your wife. Mm -hmm. It tests your relationship, your wife, because she has to also share in this load. And I commend my wife, uh, Kenosha, for uh, being an active supporter in my ministry and, and allowing me to do this because she has to share me. You know, she mm -hmm. has to share us. And then she she sees the things that I deal with, the frustrations of ministry. And she's the one that has to, you know, help me uh, uh, work those things out behind closed doors. You know, you know. Let me throw this out there for anyone that may be watching with this on their brain. If you're thinking you want to become a pastor just because you like to preach, <laughs> right. there's a lot more. I mean, yeah. preaching is what twenty percent of what you do. evangelist. That's the evangelist. <laughs> Don't say like twenty percent yeah. of what we do. No. You gotta take on other things as a well. Whole lot. So, so I wish uh, it was just a preaching. That's being evangelist, man. If you want to preach, <laughs> that's being evangelist. Don't have no ties to having to be responsible for people, and they needing your your advice and your help and tugging on you, calling you late at night. 
I remember when I first got asked advice, I won't go into details about what they asked me about or anything, and I'm like, I didn't know what to say. Right. I was like, okay, because I'll tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, staff, and for those of you, this is me being transparent. My pastor is in Tennessee, his name is Pastor Eddie Couples. When they asked me the question that normally a pastor would get asked, the first thing that came to my mind is, I'm not Pastor Couples. <laughs> what are you talking asking now? You have to remember that you are you are in this role. This is me. <laughs> yeah. Now, so so and I mean he always had something he said mm-hmm. that you know kinda stuck out to me and that is if if I've got a guy that's so antsy to get up here to preach mm-hmm. Then that makes me concerned because most of the time pastors don't want to do it. No. <laughs> I didn't want to be a pastor. I, I would have preferred evangelist because mm-hmm. I would think I, I, I'll preach, but I'll I don't want to deal with people, God. No. But let's just say God turned it. You never tell God what you're not going to do because right. He'll show you that if He's got it for you, you're going to do it. So, uh, so yeah. So if you're thinking you're going to get into it just to preach. Brother, I'm I'm just gonna or sister, whatever, whoever's listening. Let me just tell it's you, it's a beautiful struggle. That's a that's a small portion yeah. of what a pastor does. Because so. the preaching part only lasts for that thirty minutes, thirty forty minutes on, on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, if the Holy Spirit really get to go, you might get fifty minutes of that attention and get past <laughs> that day. Hey, hey. <laughs> but that's it the rest is a whole nother experience mm-hmm. i tell you what God used for me when I first got into this pastoring thing I had a young man his mom was getting ready to have heart surgery mm-hmm. uh, open heart surgery they had found some clots and they were wanting to remove it so okay. that morning they asked if I would come as a pastor I was up now normally at this, I'm, up, I'm at the hospital I think it was like 7, 7.30, right? right? Okay. So I show up before the operation, and I talk to him a minute, you know, before she's getting ready to go back. Well, I go ahead and say, well, let's pray. And with eight hands, we prayed. She went back, and they said, well, wait a minute. We want to double check before we do any surgery on mm-hmm. you. Went in, did not find a clot. It was gone because that's the power of healing. That's right, the God we right. serve. So I think God kind of used that moment to say, you know what? I'm with you on this. Right, right. And you're going to pray for people. They're going to be healed. <laughs> so you just need right. to trust me. So I just kind of said, okay, yes, God. That's all you can say. Yes, yes, Father. <laughs> when he proved it to me, because I'm, I'm bivocational, so I still work a nine to five. You know, oh, me too. My <laughs> church ain't even in, 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 is not in a position to just fully take me home as mm. a pastor and I know you know that yeah. uh, firsthand as well so and I'm proud of it. my my father kind of taught me to not necessarily depend on the church like that you know if they especially if they can't mm. handle it you know I feel like that's wrong if a pastor is being a burden to the church you know so if they can't pay me nothing I, it's, yeah that's whatever but what happened for me man to prove that the law was with me we was membership was low Mm-hmm. Membership was low. Sometimes we come in and just be my wife, my kids, a few deacons and their wives, and we looking at a whole bunch of seats. And you know, a year or two of doing that, you 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 know, you get discouraged. Like some Sundays would be 30, 40. Mm-hmm. Some days, Sundays it was two or three, <laughs> yeah. and it was more them two or three and fives than them thirties. You know, mm-hmm. so I, it came to my spirit. To tell them to go around and shake hands and, and welcome people. And I said, just just walk around and thank folks for being here. And I was like, God, this is gonna sound crazy to them. Mm-hmm. He said, do it, just do it, and trust me. I said, I said, well, I want y'all to get around and I want y'all to walk around and shake hands and just 
thank folks for being here. And, mm -hmm. and, and one person, Sister Terry, I'll never forget, she was doing it with, with so much passion. And she went and she actually went through the motion of shaking the hand, Trent, and all that. And the Lord, and the Lord told me to say, and it's, them hands going to become real hands. Mm. Now, and the finances and all, because you need to run a church, you need finances too. So, oh, so I'm just doing motions. Yeah. Going and up. It, you know, so you're just shaking. Yeah, we were shaking them. We were shaking air. Ah, gotcha. Air. <laughs> we literally walk around, and, she, and I will never forget, and the Lord said, after they done, the Lord said, they, and them, that those going to become real hands. Man, I promise you, maybe a month or two later, exactly what I said happened. And what he said, well, led to what he told me to say happened. And this, just a family, families just started coming. Mm -hmm. And and they wouldn't go, you know, they're not still there. They transitioned to another place. But they were there temporarily to aid us through that, that time of our church and our growth of our church. And finances became abundant and where we can handle the business we needed to handle. Mm -hmm. And everything that the Lord allowed me to uh, speak. He 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 blessed it, but it wasn't me speaking. Cause I, it's like Ezekiel. I didn't. I just didn't say this. He told me to say it, and he honored what he said. He didn't let his words come back void. So he accomplished what he, what he sends out to do. So that's when I was like, okay, God. I mean, cause <laughs> cause if that never happened, they would be looking at me like I was crazy, and I would have been looking at me like I was crazy. But hands showed up, and people just started. Showing up and it became a consistent. It, I mean, it jumped from like five to six to 13, 14 to 20. And that mm -hmm. was consistent for about two years like that. And and it's still, you know, membership fluctuates. But it's, 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 that's how I've been blessing, man. And uh, hmm. But yeah, that's what yeah. happened. Yeah, some Sundays we may have close to 30. Other Sundays is just a few of us. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? That's, the Bible that's... says we're two or more gathered in my name. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So yeah, you got to be fish, you got to so. as a pastor, you got to be willing to endure mm -hmm. those parts of ministry. It ain't going to always pan out like you hoped and you imagined and you believed cuz God has called you and and you accepted this calling now he finna just over and over. Be faithful over a few things. Sometimes that few things might last for a while. So Yeah. Go ahead. So you accepted the pastor position two and a half years later. You've been doing the accepted pastor position for four years then? Is that what I'm getting? I would say three and a half going on four, I think. Three and a half going on four. Accepting bivocational pastor, yes. Okay, yeah. And I thank my ministry because I wouldn't be able to do it without the deacons, Deacon Terry, Deacon Sparks, and Deacon Connors. And me. A lot of the, the integral parts of ministry, they take that weight off of me. So I don't have to deal with everything so it's been it's been a blessing. This has been a good place to be nurtured, and God can deal with me and and blossom me into the pastor He wants me to be. This has kind of been a good place to do it. So, and let me just throw this out there: if you're a member of a church, what he just said is important. You need to be serving in the church. The pastor can do it all. Right. So it's up to you to go out and help bring the people, help serve the people. Because I, I tell my congregation all the time. I just said it here a couple weeks ago in a message. I couldn't do what I do without the people that come help us set up every mm -hmm. Sunday, tear down every Sunday, run the PowerPoints, control the children's ministry. Right. I can't do all that just myself. I'm right. one guy. So that's really our job as the church is to serve the pastor, serve the church, and just become a part. Be who God's called you to be. Right. Basically, all we're asking is that you exercise the gifts God's given you to exercise. Right. So. Uh, 
and we would never ask you to do anything we haven't already <laughs> done, no. right? So, uh, well, uh, any last words you want to throw out there? No, man, I did? just thank you for inviting me, man. Uh, hope we can do more of these do different topics, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I hope that kind of gives you a little of uh, insight on who I am. And if you're ever looking for a place to worship and you ain't ever make it to the next level, Hey, come and meet us at uh, 200 Broadway at, at Mount Moriah, and we uh, we start service at 11:15 every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. Yeah. Awesome! If you're tuning in, and you're interested in Next Level Freedom Church. We start at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for coming, staff. Thanks for talking with us. But all right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning. If you're tuning, I hope this is blessing you. Um, we'll see you next time. Until then, this is Trey Cruz saying, God bless. God bless.